Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. Good morning. I'm it's Doug Brown. time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai. 32 years. What a big day in surgery yesterday. I'm still riding high. Two big hip replacements and two big knee replacements. My last patient weighed over 360 pounds. And there's moments in the surgery where I have to use tools with my right hand and actually hold the leg with one hand, with one arm. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I can go to the gym, but I don't need to. That's a hard job. But it's just so enjoyable for me. And I had a moment in surgery yesterday that really made me feel warm and fuzzy. One of the hip surgeries I did Also, big man, 230 pounds. I did his other hip about five years ago, and now he wore out this other one. Sweet man. Went home the same day. Can you imagine doing the surgery and you go home the same day when 32 years ago when I started, you stayed a whole week in the hospital. Now you go home the same day. But one of the tools that I used that really delivers the femur up out of the wound so that I can work on the ball of the ball and socket joint has the name of Dr. Skulko and someone named Delgado, Sam Delgado. Because 25 years or so ago, I went back to special surgery just to revisit with my teachers. Just, hey, Clapper, how you doing? How's it going out there in Los Angeles? Oh, it's great. Things are good. And I spent the whole day operating with Dr. Skulko. And his right-hand man, Sam Delgado, said, You know, what do you think of this tool? I said, oh, this retractor is amazing. Yep, I helped design it with Dr. Skolko, Sam Delgado told me. And after spending 12 hours in surgery that one day, when I said, well, gentlemen, thank you so much, Dr. Skolko, for letting me be a student again in your operating room, and thank you, and I shook Sam Delgado's hand. Sam Delgado said, come on, come to the locker with me. I have something for you. And I got changed back into my clothes to go to the airport and fly home, he gave me, he gave me this retractor that I had commented on during the surgery. He says, here, I helped design it with Dr. Skulko. Here's our gift to you. And it means so much to me to be able to have my own tool that I can use in the operating room. It's like a carpenter coming to the job site with his own Milwaukee tool, his own hammer. It just makes me feel like I can put my signature uniquely on someone. Very special. What a great show we have planned for you today. My guest at 8.15, I cannot wait. I was a guest on his television show not too long ago. 
the great Kurt Sandoval from ABC Sports. Without a doubt, my favorite sportscaster for one reason. He's an amazing storyteller. So today's topic is going to be about storytelling in the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. Clapper Vision, oh, I can't wait to open the clinic. The number's 877-710-ESPN. But the Clapper Vision's got to be about LeBron James coming back last night because guess what we saw? He's healed. He's back. And don't you worry, Laker fans. This is not an injury that leads to another breakdown of his ankle. Nope, that ain't going to happen. He's healed. He's healed. But your ankle and your calf muscles, yes, they're responsible for LeBron James leaping and getting on his toes to make his shot. But you know what impressed me the most last night watching him return? It wasn't his leaping and jumping that I love so much. But you got to remember, those same muscles allow you to land softly. So what's the clap revision to explain concentric versus eccentric use of our muscles. Sounds like a fancy word, because it is. So here's a clapper vision. You've got, you go to Gelson's, my favorite store. Next week, next week we're going to talk about pink grapefruits from Florida. I love Gelson's, and I also love Ralph's. I love the produce at Ralph's. Vons, eh, I'm, I'm mentioning Gelson's and Ralph's for a reason. Those are my favorite. Not that there's anything wrong with Vons. Vons is great. But when you pack that bag of groceries, heavy with grapefruits, which I love, and you go to lift it up, you flex your elbow. Look at your biceps, your brachialis muscle. You flex your elbow, you see your muscles go into a ball, right? As you flex your elbow to lift the bag of groceries off of the cabinet, the the countertop. But now you need to lower the groceries down low onto the floor. You don't just drop them. You don't just extend your elbow. You have to slowly straighten your elbow, extend your elbow, but you have to do it with control. How do you do it with control? You're actually contracting your muscle as you're elongating it. As opposed to contracting your elbow and flexing it, concentric loading of your biceps and brachialis muscle, your elbow flexor, But you also have to fire those muscles so that slowly with control, eccentrically, you straighten your elbow. That's what I saw beautifully with LeBron James last night. Not only jumping beautifully, but landing beautifully. The king is back. We are on our way to another championship. I can't wait. And storytelling. You know how much I love to talk about food for those of you who I get to work with proudly every day, who are from Armenia, one of the greatest countries. So many people fill this part of Los Angeles, Armenian backgrounds. You're going to be so proud when I tell you the story, the Armenian story behind my favorite candy bar, Almond Joy and Mounds. His name was Peter Paul Halogian. An Armenian immigrant in 1919. Wait till you understand the storytelling and the Armenian connection to the Almond Joy and Mounds candy bar. You're not going to believe it. And we'll get into that because it involves Trader Joe's and a new knockoff 
of almond joys. We'll get into that. One of the greatest things you can put into your mouth, and we're going to tell you all about it a little later in the show. But let's get right into today's show about storytelling. Storytelling and art. Who did it best in my lifetime? You know who it was? In the world of art? It was this guy. You'll recognize his voice because he's a storyteller. But what I'm about to teach you is he didn't start out as a storyteller. You can actually become a storyteller later in life, just like he did, versus being born a storyteller. Now, our country spotlight song of the week. That's right. It's by a woman who Casey, got her start Casey. in the music business. Who even cares who he's talking about? He just loves Katie to tell you. Grew up in a musical family. Grew up After on a, a farm. After a day working on the farm, their 400-acre yeah, farm. Like blah, 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 blah. I just love it. The freaky family would gather around the piano and This is Casey and Kasem. Hymns. And even after J.D. left the Telling farm, you a whole University story Indiana, about an artist. Well, He's the greatest storyteller in the During art the world, vacation, but Casey Kasem did not start out as a story. He knew he had a voice. He did voiceovers. He even spun records as a DJ. But it wasn't until he had a, br- a producer say, you need to tell the story. You need to. We want to hear more about the musician, not just you spinning the records. In sports, I'm going to talk about my favorite sportscaster growing up who's still alive. His name is Warner Wolf. But Warner Wolf is going to tell you, I wanted to do this since I was seven years old. He's born a storyteller, but not Casey Kasem. Listen to this, how it got started. This is Mike Douglas. My mother used to love this show, the Mike Douglas. She used to knit sweaters with Florence Gottlieb, her best friend, watching the Mike Douglas show. So I used to go in there. These two Yentas, my mother and Florence, on the couch. Oh, Robbie, how are you? Tatala. Remember Tito in Mexican, you know, Spanish? She was, they go, Tatala, how are you? What's happening? And they're like, listen, it's the summertime. Who needs a sweater? Nah, this is what they did. They only knew how to make sweaters. Everybody got sweaters. It was 90 degrees, sweating, schwitzing. Nah, they're making sweaters. This is what they did on the couch, watching the Mike Douglas show. This is Mike Douglas interviewing Casey Kasem going, how did this get started, this crazy career of yours? How did it start? Who first discovered that voice, that it had something special? Well, you know, I never considered that I had any kind of voice at all. As a matter of fact, I sort of had to overcome a handicap when I was a kid. I, I was a sound effects man. Whenever they put a, a crew together, yeah. and they say, well, now, Casey, you do sound because you don't have a voice. You know, you've got a, a younger person's voice. So as I grew up in, in radio and in school, that's what would happen. Then I uh, was lucky enough to recognize that that young person's voice that I had and not that big, booming, mellow voice became really the door opener because I started doing young voices on the Lone Ranger show. And then as my voice uh, got a little bit older, it developed into 25-year-olds, and I started playing character parts on that show on the radio in its waning days back in Detroit. So he got started doing characters and voiceovers. He's not storytelling yet. Listen to this beautiful journey of becoming a storyteller. He's been called the most listened to voice in America. By any standard, Casey Kasem is a voiceover superstar. You've got one of the most unique voices in the business. Almost everybody can pick out Casey's voice. When you hear your own voice now, do you like it? Or would you rather be bozo profundo? If I played for you what I sounded like on the radio as a disc jockey when I was the number one disc jockey in Detroit, 
you would never think that I, I had a career in radio. Yeah, you got to hear how this all starts. I listen to that and I say, why did they keep me? I think I know why, though. I worked hard, and what I lacked in talent, what I lacked in experience, uh, I tried to make up for with hard work. From Hollywood, it's America's number one pop music show. Casey's hard work has paid off, to the point where today, he's expanded his top 40 into a hit television show, America's Top 10. But how did it start? How did he learn? And how did he become Casey Kasem? He's not Casey Kasem because he's spinning records. Because he does something called a bio, as in biography, not biology, but biography tease. You got to hear this story. It's by a woman who's taught big stars like David Bowie and Bette Midler how to move on stage. Her name is Tony Basil. Tony was born in Philadelphia. Her mother. The key to both of these programs is known as the bio tease, where Casey simply talks about the artist. Ironically, the idea for this bio tease wasn't even his. When he was the number one disc jockey in San Francisco, his program manager changed the format of the show. Spotlight this week. Here's Tony Basil with Mickey. So what do you want me to do? I said, I'm number one. What do you want me to do? He said, tell you what. He said, why don't you just talk about the, the artist? I said, what does that mean? That night, three hours later, I walked in and wedged in the door of the studio while Emperor Hudson, Bob Hudson, was on the air, was a big trash barrel. And on top of all of the news copy that they'd thrown out for the day, looking right at me, I couldn't have missed it, was Who's Who in Popular Music 1962. Now, I was walking into, I'd walked into that studio if I hadn't seen that, and I would have just been giving time and temperature. I picked it up, and that's how American Top 40 was created. So someone saw something in him that you can be a storyteller. And he busted his butt. I mean, really busted to make himself into a storyteller. Doing it with quality from the very beginning, technically, and the writing, and to the point where it was almost ridiculous. Uh, for instance, when we first started our show, you won't believe this. And people in broadcasting will appreciate this. We did the radio show to real time. Otherwise, we went 20 minutes before, and if I made a mistake in the first 15 minutes, we went back and did it again. And I said, now this has got to be ridiculous. <laughs> there has to, but that's how, that's how important it was that we do it technically correct. He scripted it all. I did not realize that. It was not off the top of his head. And the writing, why we've had meetings, uh, script meetings that have lasted for hours and hours and hours, just talking about a single word or a paragraph or an entire story that might that might step on someone's toes, that wasn't quite positive enough or it might reflect unfavorably on someone. And it makes it difficult for us to do a show that way, but in the long run, when people say they listen and they listen because the show is credible and uh, they feel that what I'm saying is true, it makes us feel good. It sounds like it's off the top of his head, but it wasn't. How did I ever get roped into this job? And I was there for two days, and Chuck Bloor, who's legendary in, uh, in broadcasting and in the commercial area, was the general program director for Kral Collier. 
And two days after I was there, he said, well, now you know you're going to write your show. I said, write my show? I said, write <laughs> the last what? last one I, to know. I said, I do it all Im Im impromptu. I said, I improvise as I go along with the engineer and did little wild tracks and had maybe hundreds of little voices that I used. And I would just tell the engineer while the record was playing what we'd do. He said, no, you can't do that. You write it and hand the engineer a script, a four-hour script? Says, that's the way we're going to do it. Wow. That was invaluable because it taught me that you can write and make it sound like it's, uh, it's unrehearsed. Wow. The great Casey Kasem, a storyteller like none other in the world of art. Who inspired me to be a storyteller in the world of sports? His name is Warner Wolf. He's still alive, still doing it for Don Imus. He's amazing. But he knew, unlike Casey Kasem, that he could do this since he's a kid. Coming up next, you're going to hear my favorite sportscaster, local sportscaster growing up, and why I fell in love with this guy, the great Warner Wolf. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper. And the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Sometimes you can call me Smokey. Sometimes you can call me Rocky. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Today I want to be Tito. <laughs> Dr. Tito Clapper. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Playing Rod Stewart, Tonight's the Night. You know why? Because this was a song that Casey Kasem loved and put on as America's Top 40. And then you heard all about Rod Stewart. He went to yeshiva. He wore tzitzis. No, he didn't. Ruvain Clapper did. That's me. <laughs> I want to give a shout-out to the great Dave Miller, who's driving to visit his daughter, in Arizona, she finished her freshman year. She'll be sitting in this seat one day soon, that's for sure. Mazel tov to the great Dave and Eileen Miller. You raised a beautiful daughter there. And I would not have gotten started in this business if it wasn't for Mike Thompson pairing me up with the great coach Dave Miller. I learned a lot, so much from him. He's the best in the business. All right, I am just so excited to talk about a man who inspired me growing up. You got to hear him. I, I want you to pay attention to a couple of things when you listen. He's a local sportscaster. He actually tried to do national, and it didn't work. He went back to be the local ABC sports guy in New York. But you can listen to this. She, the, the anchor says, oh, Warner, welcome back. You've been away. And he says, you got to welcome my front also. Like, he's a kibitzer. But he is... A guy who can storytell subtly because it's in his DNA. Listen to his voice. 
Warner, you're back. We missed you. My front is here, too. My front is here, too. <laughs> All right, thank you, Michelle. What are the odds oh, on beating John McEnroe and Jimmy Connors back-to-back, -back, straight sets, both matches? Well, that's what happened today. Voice. The giant Lowers killer, Kevin voice. Curran, did it again, eliminating Connors in straight words. sets. Let's go to the videotape. Let's this go to the videotape. This Connors is something he's right famous for. Right here at for. the bottom of your screen, Curran serving at the and top You're going to hear screen. where this Curran, let's go to the videotape came from coming up. Became a U.S. citizen this year, now lives in Texas. There it is. See, he's Beating giving you a little background. An now lives in Texas. But six, quickly, two, six, boom, two, he's giving six, you the points. One. But here, here you can hear how he adds a story to the mundane extra innings Mets game. But listen to what he does as the sportscaster throws it in. Unscripted. Unlike Casey Kasem, who scripted everything, you're going to hear Warner Wolf unscripting and adding a little as George Sedano says, flavor to the factual sports information. Now, this is 17-year-old Boris Becker of West Germany serving top of your screen. And as Yared at the bottom. Now, Yared won the first set. Becker won the second set. They were tied in the third set, 1-1. When the rains came, suspended. They will continue tomorrow. So Curran will play the winner of tomorrow's Becker-Yared match, while, of course, Chris and Martina meet again for the fifth time in the last eight years. Well, in case you didn't stay up till 4 o'clock this morning, the Mets made it four in a row last night, beating the Braves 16-13 to 13 in 19 innings. Uh, can you imagine how many husbands told their wives they were going to the ball game at 7.30? Didn't get back till after 4 a.m. <laughs> he's laughing. He's having fun with it. And he's trying to take you to a place that is sweet. You know, he's trying to... And here's his rationale. Listen to this. He said... There are no matinees, and you don't know who's listening to you or watching you for the first time. I said, you're right. So every show, you gotta, you've got to get up. I mean, I mean, how long? Is, what are you, I mean, five minutes at best? You can't get up? You know, the people don't want to hear your problems. They have their own problems. So you, you, you take them away from anything that ails them for about five minutes. You never know who's watching. You know, so no. This is his philosophy, and you never know who's watching. Meaning you never know. No. No matter what you're doing, where you are. No. Matinee, what time? It's it's, people say it's a crappy shift. Who's going to be listening? Oh, no, no. No, you can't. If you have that attitude, you better get out now. There's no question about it. You've got to be excited about it. Man, it keep, but I keep doing it. I mean, it's like great for the mind. You have mm. to keep your mind active. Warner Wolf is in his 80s. He's still doing it because it's active. But listen to how it all got started for Warner Wolf. What a story to all of us, how inspiring this is, how you make something from nothing. The story of Warner Wolf, one of my heroes. Warner Wolf is there. How you doing, Warner? Good. Having fun still. Still? After, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. It says 35 years, but then it says you've been nah, doing it for more than that. 50. I, that's not possible. Oh, yeah. April Fool's Day, 1961. That's 60. How did it happen? Oh, Pikeville, Kentucky. I had graduated college, American University, mm. got out of the service, finished the service, and I knew this is what I wanted to do. I had known for you know, since I was seven. I used to listen to every radio show there was. Unlike Casey Kasem, spun records, voiceovers, didn't know he was a storyteller. Warner Wolf knew he could do this since he's seven. You're either born with it, but you also can have it uncovered as well. Every sports event, 
And there, when, really, there was no television, or if you can imagine that. So I put an ad in Broadcasting Magazine and said, uh, a college graduate, military obligation fulfilled, uh, money, not the object. So we'll travel. So I got these three uh, answers, Pikeville, Kentucky, uh, Miami, Ohio, not Florida. Got it. And uh, uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. So I said, well, I've got to decide. They're interested. Oh, I said, no experience, professional. Anyway, <laughs> one guy calls me from Pikeville. Listen to this. He says, if you come down here, I'll teach you everything. I'll give you the whole business. He says, I just have two questions. <laughs> two questions. Yes, sir. He says, do you drink? And have you ever been in jail? <laughs> so That's said, the criteria. Yeah, that was it. So I said, well, uh, you know, I have a beer once in a while, but I've never been in jail. He says, boom, you're hired. <laughs> you're hired. And the man kept his word. I was the uh, sportscaster, the newscaster, man. the disc jockey. Uh, we did obituary shows. Uh, I was the morning guy, as usual, when you start out. <laughs> The way we checked the weather was you'd go out in the back and there would be this ruler and you'd measure uh, the rainfall. So you'd tell them how much, you know. But it was great. And I had to change my name, too, by the way. He did. Yeah, it was he, not Warner Wolf? No. Yeah. In Pikeville, Kentucky, there's 5,000 people. He has to change his name. He can't be called Warner because the guy says that's not a name. You got to come up with another name. Here's the problem. When you come up with another name and your name is Warner, when people go, hey, Ken, yeah, you don't turn around because you don't think they're talking to you. He said, Warner, he's, what is this? He says, nobody, I never heard of the name. I said, wait a minute, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Baxter was an old. That's right, we were not in New York. Uh, yeah, no, he says, I want you to go home and get a name. I came back and I said, how about Robin? He says, Robin, that's a girl's name. I said, no. I said, Robin Roberts, you never heard of the picture? No. So I came back. I said, I got one. Jay. He said, what do you mean, Jay? I said, J-A-Y. Jay Wolf. No, he said, it sounds like the letter. He says, give me another name. Came back. I said, how about Ken? That's it. Ken? Ken. Ken what? Ken Wolf. Ken Wolf. Get out of no. here. No, so for Get out of uh, here. half a year, I was Ken Wolf. <clears throat> and you had to walk down the street as Pikeville. There were only 5,000 people then. Guy would yell out, and everybody knows who you are in a small town. All right. Hey, Ken, I keep walking because I thought I was talking to somebody else. Well, let me you tell know. you something. Here in uh, New York, uh, we're right outside uh, 66th and Broadway, the Tish WNT Studios. Warner Wolf, they don't yell out Ken. They yell out Warner. <laughs> and they also yell out, give me a break. That's right. They yell out, let's, let's go, go to the videotape. Video yeah. Those are the two expressions that are unique to Warner Wolf. Let's go to the videotape and give me a break. How did they come about? Oh, listen to that. What a sweet man. All right, I got to do this because we yeah, got an eight-minute sure. segment here. Yeah. Uh, what did you? Do, which one did you do first? Oh, uh, let's go. The videotape came. What from. year? What was the circumstance? Oh, 1968. I'm working at WTOP Television in Washington. Right. Before I, you come to New York, because that's where oh, you're big yeah, first. Oh right. yeah, yeah. I, I was in radio eight years before I was ever on television, and 15 years in the business before yep. I ever came to New York. Wow. So one night, I'm doing the 11 o'clock news. And there's, we used to get film. There wasn't a lot of videotape. You get film highlights from the 11 o'clock feed, we used to call it, the syndication. <laughs> so there's a basketball game. And I said, I used to give the normal cues, you know. Oh, take a look at this. You know, here's uh, Kareem uh, and, or here's Wilt. 
and nothing happens. And the camera's still on me. I said, well, you, you got to see this and nothing. So finally I said, hey, let's go to the videotape. Boom, <laughs> comes up. Notice how he's used the term Wilt and Kareem because he's so underplaying this. But if you're a storyteller, you don't say, I had a game once and it was John Havlicek or it was John Stock. You, you would be losing, losing the listener. Boom. What players? Single name. You say Wilt. You don't have to say Chamberlain. You say Kareem. You don't have to say Abdul Jabbar. He gets, this is a skill set, and he would never even admit to it, but I'm here to tell you every, this is what I tell the young surgeons who come to visit me, every single thing I do and say is for a reason. Whether it's to get the x-ray tech motivated, whether it's to have the nurse do this, do that, to help me, every single thing I say is for a reason. So when he tells a story, Kareem did this, and Wilt, listen to how he's telling the story. It's awesome. After the show, the uh, producer, Ernie Bauer, says, that was great. He says, I was doing 10,000 things, but when I heard you say, let's go to the videotape, Boom, punch it up. He said, do it tomorrow night. That's where it was born. That's how it happened. Kept doing it. So it was just by accident. I got to tell you something. Every time I'm here and I say, let's go to the videotape, I'm going, wow, I'm stealing Warner right here. Everybody does it. Oh, that's fine. It's beautiful. Did you hear that interplay? Steve Adubato said, and that's how it, like his voice goes up like a fastball pitch. Listen to how Warner Wolf receives that question as a storyteller and responds to him in a very low, smooth, really steady response. He doesn't go high pitch to high pitch. He receives the energy from the other person. These are subtle things I'm explaining to you, but that's why he's ahead of the game as a storyteller. Frank Sinatra taught us how to use words as a musical instrument the pace the emphasis on the syllable these are all this is a craft and i didn't even go to school for it you go to it would be unbelievable to go to school to study how to raise your voice lower your voice spread out the words give me a break oh give me a break uh give me a break yes when watching uh, a redskin game against, give me the year a washington oh, again yes this was about uh, 1967. Right. And uh, I used it for radio first. So the Lions are playing the Redskins, and there was a terrible call against the Redskins. And so I went on the air, and I said, come on. Actually watching, I said, come on, ref, give me a break. And somebody said, hey, that's <laughs> funny. That's good. So I went on the air the next day, and I, it was television. I showed the play. I said, come on, give us a break. And that and that caught, hey, come on, give me a break. Warner Wolf has been doing this for 60 years. Here's something we can all learn from him. Finally, listen to the kavana, they say in Hebrew, the feeling that's in this man for his craft. But after 50 years, I'm curious, how are you still as passionate as you are? Because you have not lost much. Oh, you, you have to be excited about it. You don't have to be. You choose well, to be. Well... My father uh, was a vaudevillian, and uh, one thing he gave me a lesson. He said, you know, son, he said, there are no matinees. What he meant by that is, in the old days of vaudeville, 
used to have a Wednesday matinees and Saturday matinees. They still do. And sometimes the big stars would say, yeah, I'm too sick. I can't show up on Wednesday. Or they'd just go through the motions. He ain't going through the motions. He's Warner Wolf, my hero. Coming up next, let's go to the operating room. Let's do some clap revision. The clinic's open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here every Saturday morning on 710 ESPN with the great Steve Paulette and me, Dr. Clapper. Let me pour you a good long drink. Woo, baby, don't you hesitate. And Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. With tinted windows. Can you imagine? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. While I'm in Italy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. You don't have to. That's right. You don't have to be a star to be in my show. You could be a weekend warrior. Let's open the clinic, Steve Paulette. No copay. Let's get it started. Let's go to Christine. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Good morning, Christine. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 53, and I'm a registered nurse at LACUSC Medical Center. Oh, what do they say? Drop the mic. You got me. Whatever you need, whatever I can do to help a nurse. Number two in my life are teachers. But number one in my heart is a nurse. Because my mother, Lillian Clapper, was a nurse. You come down from the heavens and touch us all. And I can't thank you enough for what you do. I'm so honored that I get to work with the great nurses at Cedars-Sinai for 32 years. What did you do to yourself? How did you hurt yourself? Well, I don't really know. I've I've been having I have been having an issue with my knee since early this year, um, and um, I sought out my physician. They thought it was arthritis, and mm-hmm. I was on um, non-steroidal um, anti-inflammatories for a while. Yes, ice rest, but you know, continued to work. Um, I'm also a patient of um, Dr. Kaufman, Greg Kaufman. He's my chiropractor, and. Um, he recommended, you know, push for an MRI, push for an MRI. Good. God bless him. Um, so, so, which I did, um, you know, after a while um, of mm-hmm. the diagnosis for arthritis. And it turns out um, the MRI revealed a horizontal tear of the medial meniscus. Okay, so I'll body. stop you right there. I'll stop okay. you right there. If you ever listen to the show, you know what clap revision is? You know what? I, I, I've listened to it in his office. <laughs> But, um, in the chiropractor's but, office. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a big fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me tell you something. 
My dad was a carpenter, so let's go into your kitchen as though my dad was standing right next to me, and I'm going to explain to you what the hell's going on in your knee with language that a carpenter and a carpenter's son, so that you'll understand. If you look at that formica on top of your kitchen cabinets on the countertop, and you dropped a big 50-pound can on top of it, you would make a ding in the top of the formica. It would just make a, like a rip into it. That's a vertical. Well, maybe it would be at a slight angle. That's a traumatic injury to the formica, right? Because you drop something right. sharp and big on it. And right. as a meniscus tear, which is a cushion, it's just like the surface of the countertop, vertical or oblique or diagonal tears, we see because of trauma, I see it in baseball players or in basketball players, soccer players, younger people, not 53-year-old, but a 22-year-old. You see these vertical oblique tears because it's from trauma. But what if I told you we're in a house that's old, we're looking around, and you see that the surface is still, it's, it's not uh, abused. There's no vertical tears. There's no chipping of the surface of the formica. But in an old house, the glue, the glue that actually cements the plastic formica to the plywood of the top dried out and actually no longer is an adhesive. The lifting up of the formica now is in a horizontal way. It's not a vertical chip in it. Capiche? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm 63 years old. You take the back of my hand, you pinch the skin. We can wait for a half an hour for my skin to flatten. You go find a 20-year-old, pinch the back of their hand. Instantaneously, their skin flattens because the collagen, the mucopolysaccharides, that, the, the marinara sauce around the spaghetti strands. If, if our body is like a strands of collagen like spaghetti, the marinara sauce, the matrix that holds it together, it dries out. And so, just like the glue dries out over years and years, the formica separates from the plywood. Guess what that is? That's a horizontal tear in your meniscus. So don't let them tell you, you got a meniscus tear, let's go do surgery and take it out. In a 53-year-old, no. Your not-so-great meniscus, Christine, is still a cushion, If you let the surgeons, and we don't get paid to talk to people, we only get paid to operate on you, don't let them. Now, if you told me, Dr. Clapper, I can't straighten my knee, I can't bend my knee, that you actually have blockage of movement because of your meniscus tear, then that's a different story. Then sign me up. I would be honored to arthroscope your knee and and preserve as much of that meniscus as possible. But don't let them give you cortisone shots, stem cells, PRP, no Synvisc. I don't want, be holistic. I don't want any injections into your knee. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. Buy yourself a present. It'll show you exercises to do. You can make the muscles above your knee, your quad, your hamstring, the muscles below your knee, your calf muscles stronger. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you'll walk in a pool for half an hour. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you'll ride a stationary bike that you're going to buy for yourself as a birthday present that you should get for yourself for working hard your whole life. Get a Schwinn spinning bike. You don't need a Peloton, although those are nice, but you don't need to spend a lot of money. You need to do this. 
I promise you, Christine, you will feel better, not in a week or two, but in a month. But if, God forbid, you say, Dr. Clapper, it still bothers me, and it's two months, three months down the line, you haven't wasted your time. Because even if you and I have to do surgery, you're now going to be operating on a knee that's been made stronger. But here's the other big win. You may actually find, most likely, that three months from when you start this program, you don't have pain anymore. And you'll say, Dr. Clapper, how's that possible? I have all this pain. Well, you've had plenty of blisters in your life. Blisters hurt. Guess what happens when you rub a blister? You get a callus. It doesn't hurt anymore. Who cares what the MRI looks like? As long as I know you don't have cancer, which can happen. And as long as I know you don't have a fracture. But we're dealing with a 53-year-old nurse who worked hard her whole life, on her feet, schlepping patients, lifting them, carrying them. And with the DNA from your grandparents to degenerate your joint, Yes, this is not unexpected, but I'm a surgeon telling you, pump the brakes. Don't let them scare you. Don't let them tell you you have to have surgery because you have a torn meniscus. You have a little altococcoritis. You have a little arthritis that's taking place. Don't fret about it. Get busy trying to get better. If it doesn't, that's a different story. Does that help? Yeah, it's just it's been very difficult because the pain has been so bad. Good. Put ice on it. Take some Advil. Mm -hmm. Ride it out for three full weeks while you do these exercises. Trust me, it'll be worth it. Don't let them stick a needle. in. Have they stuck a needle in your knee joint already? Yeah, I did. I it was I mean, I I hate that. I know. I know. I know. And I don't agree with cortisone shots either, but. I was in so much pain for so long well, waiting. To well, I'm not going to yell at you now. It's not your fault, but please don't have any more. And, I, and no. I don't want any other kinds of needles. Yes, you may need, to, may need to do surgery. You go on a website, my website, you'll see a woman, a 70-year-old woman, riding her bicycle the, the day after I did her knee replacement. So you'll, you'll get to see. I love doing surgery, and maybe you'll need it. But right now, talking to me for the very first time, no. You need to be holistic first. Get those muscles strong. That's what I suggest. All right? Now, usually I make people have to find a total stranger and do something nice for them to thank me. But guess what? Every single day you wake up as a nurse, you're doing something special. And I will tell you this. You win the prize, Christina. If you get frustrated and you feel they're not listening, it'll be my honor and pleasure to help take care of you. You call my office and tell them you won the prize. You can come see me. You don't have to wait three months to come see me. You can see me next week if you want to. All right. Oh, thanks so much. All Thank right. God you. bless you. And thank you for all that you do. All right. I talked too much on that segment. So we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. The lines are all lit up. And I have to talk about the Armenian connection, the beautiful Armenian connection, the storytelling and the Almond Joy candy bar. You will not believe it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday 
than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip. Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. When I see the food, I eat it. Bada boom. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm on a light diet. I only eat when it's light out. Bada boom. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Blinded by the light. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Blinded by the light. A song in Casey Casey's Top 40. I can tell you the whole story. The storytelling behind that group, behind that song. He did it like nobody else. A master storyteller who acquired the skill later in his life. Storytelling. Why are we talking about storytelling? Because at 8.15, my guest is going to be the great Kurt Sandoval, my favorite sportscaster in L.A., because he's the greatest storyteller. And I can't wait to talk to him about, is it something he acquired? Did he know he wanted to do it from the beginning? How do you become a storyteller? Mm, fascinating. All right, the clinic. The clinic's open. The lines are all lit up. Let's go to Janet in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. Um, Linda Huey uh, is oh. a client of mine. Oh, what a pleasure. Yeah. Are you calling me from Cleveland? I am in Cleveland currently. I live in New York, and oh. I used to be in L.A. for quite some time. Wow. How young are you? What do you do for a living? Mid-50s, and I am a writer, and I'm an animal communicator and healer. I've worked with Linda's dogs for I don't know, somewhere over a decade, between between 10 and 20 years. You know, I had a guest on this show a couple months back who wrote a book. I saw him as a patient, coincidentally enough, but he uses Mm -hmm. wolves to help heal teenagers who are drug-addicted, suicidal. He uses a wolf pack to help kids. It's unbelievable. And I've known it my the whole wolves life. Wolves are very wise beings. Yeah, you can learn a lot from hanging out with some wolves. You can learn a lot from hanging out with any wild animal. I'm a surfer. Let me tell you something. Whenever I see that dolphin mm. stick its fin up when I'm in the water, it's like a blessed day. Or when that pelican flies over my head, it's just a blessed day to interact with, with nature and the animals that live amongst us. So God bless you for what you do. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Well, I... Um this dog attacked my dogs, and um, they fear froze. So I'm pretty strong. I've been athletic my whole life. I used to water ski, so my arms and upper body are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And um, through having to drag them away from this attacking dog that was trying to kill my smaller dog, I have a um, six millimeter partial thickness interstitial tear of the supra bonatus tendon mm-hmm. at insertion to greater tuberosity with underlying tendonitis. Okay. This is like some other language to me. I'll explain That's it to you. You know what clapper vision is? Are you ready for a clapper vision? Oh, yeah. I'm okay. ready. Clapper vision. All right. So pretend you have a small little boat and you decide to tie it up to the dock. So you're floating mm-hmm. on the lake or on the ocean. It's not really on the ocean that there's a dock. Let's say you're on a lake and you have a boat, you throw the rope 
to the dock. Someone's standing on the dock. There's a metal cleat on, attached to the dock. Mm-hmm. And to keep the boat from drifting away, you basically can tie it to that metal cleat. The tendon is the rope. The cleat is the attachment of the rope of the tendon to the greater tuberosity. So the dock is the bone or the wood If is the bone. The cleat is the attachment, the footprint, if you will, we call it sometimes. And then the rope is the tendon itself. Well, if you have a rope that's 50 years old and it's been in the sun and it's enjoyed being outside all this time, it will get damage from the sun it's been around for 50 years it's not like having a brand new rope out of the package if you will it frays Mm -hmm. tendinosis the aging process is the sunlight on the rope fraying it but your boat is still nicely attached to the dock because it may be frayed tendinosis but at least it's still attached a partial thickness tear is that fraying if, God forbid, a big uh, storm comes and the waves come and it just now takes that fatigued uh, rope, it could snap the rope in half. Guess what? Your boat, the, the rotator cuff muscle is the boat, now drifts away from the dock. We see on the MRI atrophy. We see retraction, we call it, of the rotator cuff literally pulling away from the cleat, pulling away from its attachment site on the bone, the rope on the dock itself. That hasn't happened to you, thank God. Partial thickness tear means the sunlight got to your rope, but your rope still has the boat nicely tied to the dock. Capiche? Got it. So, surgery? Not so fast. Cortisone shots? No. I don't need you masking the the relief of pain with a shot because then you you actually do more with your arm and you don't feel what's happening and you can actually ruin it in the long run. And the only infections we ever see are people who've had these cortisone shots. So don't let them. If you tell me, listen, uh, I'm getting married. I'm going to see the David for the first time in my life. You have an event that you got to get to. All right, then you'll do a shot just to get through the event. But as treatment... My own personal opinion for you, and that's all that it is, is not to ever let anybody stick a needle in your shoulder. But, I did do one. Yeah, of course. You know, most people. I live in, a, in that kind of a world, and I get it. That's why I'm yeah. saying this. And I don't. I didn't like to. It was month and month. And Fine. I mean, you did it. Just don't do any more is all I'm trying to say to you. No, now, absolutely. if you now also, months and months is a long time, so it's not like you're calling me with pain for a couple of weeks. Months and months counts because you need to see if your body will heal it on its own. Here's the second thing. You owe it to yourself, and if you've done it already, I'm happy to have a course of physical therapy with someone who knows what they're doing. They show you how to rotate your arms so your thumbs are pointing downward. There are all these beautiful exercises that who do we thank for this? Me personally, Dr. Frank Job from the Curl and Job Clinic, who's long since passed away. But in 1988, I was his fellow, one of his fellows, and wrote a paper with him, actually, on shoulders mm-hmm. and how they work. And he uh. figured out that if you rotate the arm so that your thumbs are pointing downward when you lift your arms out to the side, he put tiny needle electrodes into the 17 different muscles that attach to the shoulder blade and then used high-speed film and matched that with the nerve conduction EMG, and he could tell which muscles were firing 
to do specific movements with your arm. And that's when he figured out that if you rotate your thumbs pointing downwards and you lift your arms out to the side, you specifically are strengthening the supraspinatus tendon, not the infraspinatus, not the teres minor, not the teres major, not the latissimus dorsi, not the deltoid, not the pec major, not the... I can go on and on all set. To show off, I can tell you all 17, but the key is the supraspinatus tendon, the one that sits above the spine of the scapula. That's why we use the word supra, because it's above the spine of the scapula. That's the key rotator cuff tendon that lifts your arm up. That's the one that you have altacocoritis at Cedars, which means you're 53, (laughs) not 23. So if you tell me, Dr. Clapper, I've had a course of physical therapy with someone really good and it still bothers me, then you and I need to meet because you're going to need an arthroscopy of your shoulder. But if you say, ah, I went to a therapist, they're not that great, I didn't do the exercise, blah, 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 then, then you have to stop and you need to do a good month or two of devoted okay. physical therapy with a good therapist and good exercises with the idea that a blister will become a callus and that your pain will go away. If you do that and it still hurts then you get to talk to a surgeon like me. I have another tear as well. Is that um, In the same shoulder or another shoulder? Yeah, same, same shoulder. Um, Read me that one. Okay, sure. 22 by 6 millimeter conglomerate of ganglion cysts near infraspinatus. So the infraspinatus is the other portion of the rotator cuff. There's four muscles that make up this cuff. So here's a clapper vision. What's a cuff? Basically, it is like Bill Belichick and those beautiful cheeks of his on a cold day in Boston where he's in Foxborough Field and it's freezing. He wears a hooded sweatshirt. The face, that face of his that we love with the cheeks and they get rosy red, but he has his hooded sweatshirt on. The hood that surrounds the humeral head that allows you to lift your arm over your head The hooded Uh sweatshirt are the four muscles that make up the rotator cuff. That fabric that covers his right ear, the fabric of the hooded sweatshirt that covers his left ear, and the fabric that covers the top of his head, the supraspinatus, infraspinatus tendons, are those muscles on top of his head, and those muscles have damage. I still would favor physical therapy, before I would tell you to have an operation. And this young lady is coming from a surgeon who does lots of surgery telling you, let's try not to do surgery first. Okay? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, young lady. What a pleasure to talk to you from Cleveland, the home of the NFL draft, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we're talking about Casey Kasem today and all those rock and roll hits. Thanks you so much for tuning in and say hi to Linda Yui for me, one of my favorite people. And what she does is God's work in the swimming pool. It's a beautiful thing to be able to take care of patients who really try hard to get better. And you're one of them. And thanks so much for checking in. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories about storytelling in in lieu and in anticipation of talking at 8.15 to the great storyteller in sports in Los Angeles, we're blessed to have him, the great Kurt Sandoval. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.
be king, right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.